Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week I'm catching up with Melbourne-based artist Kirby. How you going? Good man. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no worries. It's uh, good to catch up with you. Yeah, it's been a little while. It's yeah. been both pretty busy. Yeah, we've both been very busy and live on opposite sides of the city, so yeah. it's um, always good to catch up. It's uh, good doing an outdoor podcast on a nice sunny day. Yeah, it's it'll be the last one for a while, I reckon. Nah, they said that yesterday. Yeah, true. So I've known you for. Uh, since you were a young fella, you were in high school, I think, when I met you. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I, you took me out and did my first ever piece of graffiti outside my parents' uh, shed <laughs> in like 2006 or 2007. Yeah, were they the um, like the early days of your art? Like, were you did you do much art before then, or was that like yeah? Yeah, I actually sort of got into I don't know graph and painting the other way around. I feel like a lot of writers start off you know just painting graffiti, and then you know as they get older start doing it focusing on a bit more fine art but I sort of started on like I was you know young producing some pretty low quality crap stuff but yeah I was doing that for a few years and then you know I was working with sort of stencils and spray paint and then it was once you know working with spray paint and having that around that I was like holy shit yeah you can do graffiti with this stuff as well <laughs> so I sort of got into that the second way around. So you like as at a young age you already sort of were thinking about like gallery stuff and all that as well oh not necessarily gallery stuff I just sort of started off as a like a hobby I think I had the sort of you know typical upbringing where you know mum told me that I was always sort of drawing and you know building shit and playing with a lot of lego and that sort of stuff and then yeah it sort of almost started as an after school hobby like it was in like year eight art class we got had to do like pop art or something and stencils were part of it and so yeah just doing a bit of research on the internet you know came across like yeah, Melbourne sort of the street art stencil boom I guess which is in like 2003 and sort of got into it that way and then yeah just started doing it like after school and on weekends and stuff just like yeah painting in the back shed you know. Mm. And with your uh, early stencils were they quite like like easy like yeah because the, sten- the stencils I've seen you do some of them are really complex really highly detailed I take it you started off with like quite basic ones and then yeah up. some like real real ugly looking stuff just like sort of hacked out of cereal boxes painted with you know export just real real drippy real basic and what were the themes so oh, I can't remember I think it was for like at that age you know 13 or 14 I was just sort of trying to buy into like the Melbourne street art aesthetic so yeah I think I was even painting like some samurais or something at some stage which you know paint put them up on like hosier when I was like 14 I was like yeah thought I was really running it doing a good job but yeah it's pretty heinous shit now that I look back on it oh we all start somewhere though you know people forget people and it's pretty good that you're being open about it because um you know people like to make out that they they've always been where they're at yeah I mean? no, everyone starts somewhere it's just yeah exactly. it's always a bit cringe when you think back on it and where it actually you know look back on the stuff I've always been sort of pretty good with backing up my computer and folders off which I got photos of like everything that I've ever done from the first time I ever like painted anything but yeah yeah I've still got photos of a lot of my early stuff as well and it's shit I was look, oh, I had a friend of mine around for dinner the other night and he was like oh I bust out all the old flicks I want to see some I was like no way that's <laughs> <laughs> nah, for my eyes like, only it's like oh it's alright we all started somewhere it's like yeah it doesn't mean I want to show them to you yeah yeah I'll show you some other stuff but uh not that you no. know <laughs> So how long did it take you before you started like um like wanting to start exhibiting and and doing stuff like in the gallery space and everything? Um, I got a taste for it pretty early. I think like I was you know had a Kirby MySpace back then um, and was putting just yeah photos of paintings I was doing. Got hit up by um, a gallery and shop that used to be on Sydney Road called Six Nine Six, and they messaged me on yeah MySpace. I think 
uh, like 2006 or something. Like, hey, we like your stuff. Do you want to bring something in? We'll put it on the walls of the shop. And then, um, yeah, got mum to drive me up to up to Brunswick, dropped it off, and then, you know, sort of half an hour, an hour later, I'm still driving home, got a call that saying that sold a piece already. So I think that was my f- sort of first taste of, you know, putting work in a public space outside of school and then, you know, making a bit of money off it, which I think was pretty exciting for me Yeah. at that age. So, yeah, I think I had a... I was pretty set that, you know, like art could be a sort of tangible direction and career and job from an early age, which I think was pretty lucky for me to sort of back myself in and realise that that's what I wanted to do from, yeah, you know, when I was sort of still in high school. Mm-hmm. And um, like one style that a lot of people know you for, you're um, like you're you like really highly detailed stencils of like Melbourne street scenes and stuff like that. Like, how'd you get into to like getting into that style? Um, well, I guess like all the paintings I do are based on photos I take. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess my much as much as my work is the final product of painting, the early stages are you know sort of working as a photographer and that sort of stuff. And I've always, you know, I can only photograph what's around me. And yeah, I've always you know been quite into cities and that sort of landscapes and you know crowds and people and you know the way sort of architecture and graffiti mix with each other and you know that sort of decay and natural textures and stuff so yeah I think it was just a matter of you know taking heaps of photographs of what was around me and then picking and choosing what to paint from there. Mm. Yeah because I noticed that like yeah because I know you quite well like I, I noticed that you do incorporate a lot of the stuff that you like into the imagery it's like yeah, you'll have like a stand and bones roller in on a building and then a bit of street scene and then a bit of decay and all that. Make sure there's like plenty of tags and stuff around. And yeah, but yeah, I think it's also important as, you know, a sort of way of documenting, you know, a time and a place. And, you know, especially recently, I've been focusing on a lot of uh, like, you know, transitional spaces that haven't been quite as, you know, quite developed or like, you know, redeveloped or gentrified or anything. And, you know, having... A snapshot of like this place and you know the condition it is with like posters on the windows you know and the whole thing like bombed and with tags and everything yeah I think it also gives a bit of a like time frame snapshot to like that space as well mm. so yeah I think including you know I don't want to sort of polish it up and remove the things that sort of draw me like that make me interested in that sort of scene or space to begin with yeah no, I agree. I, it's even the same with with my art. Like I draw a lot of houses and stuff, but I'm not drawing like a brand new apartment block because it just doesn't yeah, interest me. No, nah, so. it's like <laughs> sterile. There's no there's no aesthetics in it. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So how important <laughs> is it that you um that you're using your own photography to create your artwork? Oh, completely. Like you know, I think it was. I realized that pretty early on. I think it was in, in the first couple of years of actually painting and like making stencils and stuff that I was you know, using Google Images and that sort of stuff, but. You know, anything that I actually exhibit or sold, it's always been working with my own, yeah, my own photographs and own imagery. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it's a sort of I know, I know the type of photos and the lighting and that sort of stuff that I need to sort of, you know, produce the image and work with it. Plus, like the resolution and the composition that I'm after as well. And you know, cool. So these um, like these images you're producing, like they look like they take forever, like to cut out all the all the every little bit and detail and like oh like i just look at them and go shit that is a lot of work yeah like how, how long does an average um painting take you to create um these days with sort of the scale and the amount of layers and detail i'm working on anywhere between a, like a week to three weeks of sort of you know cutting intermittently so yeah there's quite a bit of a 
like sitting at the desk pretty much making hand making paper confetti is a big part of the process but yeah like sometimes like you know it's quite actually really quite enjoyable it's almost a bit of meditative i get to sit at the desk for eight hours you know kind of listen to like a whole lot of music and podcasts and churn through yeah a lot of music that way which i really enjoy because i don't think i'd really have the time to you know, sit down and listen to that much music while still you know actually being able to work mm. um and yeah now i'm sort of with this exhibition and body of work I've got coming up I've been spending a lot more time actually in the studio like painting each piece I've been spending a lot more time with like you know once the stencils are cut not just focusing on them as having the finished product but actually you know making the pieces a lot more painterly and yeah just getting a bit you know a bit more stuck in and deeper into the works in the studio painting wise mm-hmm. so you're starting to um like sort of uh instead of having every layer be like highly detailed stencils it's just sort of you're stripping back the layers and getting getting a bit of paint in there yeah like and the technique hand. and the technique that i've been painting with like usually i've just you know you just sort of lay one layer on top of the each other and sort of paint it with um a different tone of like spray paint to like build up the tones that way usually from like light to dark but um yeah sort of change the technique this time around so getting a lot of colors in there just with like brush and acrylic and textures and that sort of yeah, more texture, more textural, and yeah, painterly, and relying on you know the stencils and the spray paint less and less. Yeah, and is that um, cut cut back a lot of the time and cutting and stuff like that? No, the cutting time's still the exact same. It's probably just increased the time because I'm spending more time actually painting the pieces. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah. Mm. Have you had problems with your um, hands or anything like that from doing nah. so many cuts? No, nah, nothing yet. Luckily, like I spent a lot of time sitting, cr- you know, hunched over the desk. Mm. I think I'm not sure of the poshers. Yeah, after your advice a couple of years ago in Berlin about you know doing a bit of yoga here and there, I've tried to implement that, and I think that sort of kept me nimble and without any problems. Yeah. But yeah. God forbid the day I actually get RSI or any problems with my hand or anything. Mm. So I know that um, the American artist Logan Hicks, who does used to do like really highly detailed stencils, he um, yeah, his hands started all messing up. And that's why I think he just does photography now. True. Like, yeah. He, yeah, he just can't do it. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I guess. I think I guess I've had just a bit of age luck on my, you know, on my side, having started early. You know. Yeah. Not quite at the point of body falling to bits yet. Yeah, because I found that just even doing graphic design, like if I had really busy days in the studio where you're churning out the same thing, like days where I was like out, would be outputting a big job and just like lots of repetitive work. Oh man, like I couldn't even use my hands at the end of the day. Yeah, true. And I was like, oh, this isn't <laughs> this isn't worth it. Yeah. I want to paint. You know? I guess I'm sort of lucky, like working yeah. from home and you know being able to take my time. I can sort of work for two hours and you know take an hour break or like you know make myself lunch and take a bit of time off. So it's not a full eight hour start to finish. Yeah, yeah. I get worried about working from home. I reckon I wouldn't get much done. Mm. Ch- chuck a load of washing on. Oh yeah, yeah. It's de- yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> there are definitely more productive days than others, but yeah. So after all the all the cutting you've done, do you just make a one-off piece from these images? Um, Typically, uh, it sort of depends on like what the piece is for and where it's going. Um, the gallery I've been showing with for the last few years, Port Jackson Press, so like a print media gallery. So typically, all their work is you know works on paper and you know print, so they're in editions, and I think that's where the sort of you know the initial relationship with them started, and why it's, you know I could paint stencils there and do it in editions. So yeah, in the past few shows I've been doing there, everything has been in between like one editions of you know two to four, working on cardboard. Um, but this upcoming show, I'm just doing sort of one-offs on everything, paintings on canvas. I think they'll 
now they trust me in my work. They're letting me bend the rules of the gallery a bit more, um, which, yeah, I'm, that's why I'm also quite excited about it, having been able to spend more time in the studio focusing on each painting because it is a one-off, whereas if I'm doing additions of pieces, you know, if you're sort of doing more hand like hand painted or you know less uh, stencil work you know if you're painting additions of four you get you know four times the work and the time on each piece can really add up mm. but um now it's been good like working in additions in the past you know obviously it's makes the work a bit more accessible to clients to buy it because you can sort of have a bit of a lower price point but now after doing it for a couple of years i've definitely felt it's sort of limited what i can do in the gallery and like what i can present as a final piece so yeah i've really enjoyed sort of not doing additions for this new body of work yeah i think there's like a um a beauty in just having like like one piece as well like a one-off piece it's like just to know that there's only one of them out there yeah it's, definitely it's yeah you can get a lot deeper into it and you know the end product is you know i guess yeah because it is unique it becomes a bit more special and yeah you know yeah. a better object are you going to, um, like, still keeping within their rules, like, do an addition for this exhibition you got coming up? Um, I'm going to do additions in a different way. So there'll be, like, a sort of one main canvas, which I'm going to frame up, which will have, you know, all the, like, hand-painted colours and, you know, acrylic work. And then just in the process of, like, before I'm painting them, I'm sort of testing them, testing the stencils just to figure out the tones and the colouring just on paper. So I'll just have two, like, one or two additions, like, artist proofs of just sort of black and white, mm. almost like the... Um, yeah, it's almost like the initial sketch of the piece, but there'll be, yeah, a sort of paper edition available as well. Yeah. So, may as well, like, get into it and tell me the details of this show. There seems to be so many exhibitions happening at the moment. Yeah, I, yeah. Just, I just went um, to uh, Danger Fork to sign some prints, and I just saw, like, there were so many flyers for different exhibitions happening. Yeah, and I sure. interviewed Steve Ledbetter last week, and he yeah, yeah. an exhibition. I got one opening this week. Yeah, it's like that's the time of year. A couple of weeks ago, it's like, jeez. Yeah, it's non nonstop. I can't believe everyone's been working through summer. Yeah. Uh, I had a show in May last year, and I said to myself, right, I went the hard way. Don't just put a show on at the start of summer because, you know, you get nothing done over summer, and if, when you are doing work, you're just looking outside at the sun shining. Yeah. And then I did it to myself again this year. Yeah. Didn't learn from my, didn't learn from last year's mistake. Yeah. So what's the um, details of this exhibition? Um, so it's at Port Jackson Press again, opening in about three weeks on the 3rd of May. Um, it's called Latent. So I'm sort of presenting works and focusing on um, you know, some more to, like dormant places in Melbourne, you know, people, uh, spaces that are more sort of transitional spaces that are sort of often overlooked, and, you know, the sort of in-betweenness and, yeah, again, sort of focusing on like these sort of original structures and, you know, old architecture and, you know, looking at shops that still have like their old original tenants and haven't been you know, developed or gentrified, they're just sort of, you know, been pottering along like the same way for the last 40, 50, how, however many years and, you know, unchanged spaces, that sort of thing. Cool. And where's uh, Port Jackson Press? Uh, it's just on Smith Street in Collingwood, 84 Smith Street. So, yeah, we'll be doing an opening night for the show on Thursday the 3rd of May from 6pm and then I think the show will be up for about three and a half weeks until the end of the month. Cool. And you, you've had a uh, few exhibitions there already, haven't you? Yeah, I think this will be my fourth or fifth solo show there. Cool. Over the last sort of four or five years, yeah. So you developed a good relationship with them. Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, yeah, being getting involved with them. Um, like they saw my work at my grad show at uni, which is probably the biggest or only thing I got out of going to art school. Took till the very last minute of them to sort of see my work. Had a meeting with them and then invited me in to have a show 
with them. But yeah, it's been really great working with a sort of, you know, quite a long-standing professional gallery. I think they've been on Smith Street for like 42 years or so now. So, you know, yeah, they've taught me a lot about, you know, artist management and, you know, the more sort of business side of it, but also focusing into the future on, you know, not just sort of year by year, exhibition by exhibition, but sort of how you can, you know, really build a, build yourself artistically, you know, long term from a business point of view as well. Cool. I didn't know you went to uh, uni. Yeah, I knew you were doing something. Yeah, I knew you were studying but, and you're doing something creative. I just like, yeah. no, catch up for beers, you never talk about yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like I finished it just before I moved to Berlin when we were hanging out that summer. Yeah, yeah. I would have been overseas when you were there. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so what, like, speaking of Berlin, what made you move to Berlin? I've always sort of, Berlin's been a bit of a second home to me. Like, I've got a lot of family there. Um, and yeah, when I finished uni, it sort of finally gave me the time where I could just, you know, save up a bit of cash and book a one-way ticket over there. And yeah, I've, you know, I've always loved going there for holidays. I knew that it was, you know, there's a nice, cheap cost of living there and good quality of life. So it was the first time I could sort of live without having to work or go to uni and just, you know, focus on painting and just make that my, you know, seven-day-a-week focus without any other real commitments. Um, yeah. yeah. You had a pretty good quality of life over there yeah it's insane but yeah. it's like it's no other, it's like no other city in the world i reckon where you can just you know have a nice nice old apartment with a balcony be like walking distance to like parks and canals eat well drink cheap beers and yeah just cruise around with a bike and paint a lot of the time yeah yeah you had a uh, like a studio there was that like the first time you had a like a proper studio and all that where you weren't working from home yeah pretty much it was the first time i still ended up working a little bit from home but yeah having a yeah, having a studio to go to was definitely a nice change up in dynamic and have a you know, dedicated painting space that yeah was sort of separate and surrounded by other artists and mm. yeah, in this big old weird building mm. yeah it's weird that there were so many aussies over there like, yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy like aussie artists were absolutely everywhere yeah well i think everyone you know i'm definitely not the first person to realize that you know it's nice and cheap and there's a good quality of life over there like yeah even artists separate, I think a lot of people who are just, you know, from Melbourne yeah. like to holiday there and, you know, just hang out, party, work a bit and, you know, live over there for a bit. Yeah, because there's that area called Little Melbourne, isn't there? Or is that just this nickname? Oh, I think that's just the, uh, yeah, the, the, nick, the nickname for it. It's not yeah. actually Little Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was so lucky that you were living there when, when I showed up because I, I had a mix-up with an exhibition over there and got there two weeks early. And thought I was meant to be setting up for a, a show, and all my accommodation wasn't set up and everything for me there. And you came through and said, "Oh, I've always got a, I've always got a couch or something." Yeah, bit no, of, bit of fourth place. Man, it was awesome because I had like two weeks, nothing to do but just go out painting and, and yeah, yeah. Out and just enjoy Berlin with yeah. that, you know. And yeah. then, and then got to set up the show later on. Yeah, it was a fun couple of weeks before the double trouble show. Yeah, yeah, and it was good as well because I was for. For once in my life, I was actually cashed up because I'd been working really hard in London. <laughs> Is that just when you came money. from London before moving to Barca? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know I had this job. It was just like this ridiculously well-paying job that wasn't that hard. And, um, you know, they asked me how much I, you know, what my rate was. And I, I pulled out some stupid number and they <laughs> said, yeah, all right, no worries. Beautiful. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, and I, I can't believe I left that job, but uh, I could see that there was something else for me in life. Yeah, know? yeah. And, nice. uh, yeah, just travelled for ages, but Berlin was like one of the first stops, and I remember just, yeah, 
just thinking, oh, this is pretty good life. Yeah, it's, good. it's a good first stop to have. But it's also a bit of a dangerous one, Mike. Yeah. I, think, I know a lot of friends that have been there, been there like on you know, a Europe trip and it's been their first spot and they just end up settling for the whole six weeks that they're in Europe because it's too good to leave. Yeah. I found that when I was in Colombia. Like, went to Medellin. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there were all these Aussies there just coked out of their heads. <laughs> this guy. And, you know, you talk to them and they'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm doing a year and a half trip around South America and I flew in, flew into here and I haven't left yet. And yeah. It's like, what are you doing with yourself? I think it's, it's like, a, I think it's the same deal in Berlin, except less coke, more cheap speed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, gee, if they were that desperate to get high, they can get high anywhere, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's a whole world to see out there. You can, you can justify it if you're doing it overseas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you uh, did you exhibit much while you were over in Berlin? Um. Not that much. We did like the double trouble show and then I organised with a couple of friends over there. Just a group show there. But um like a lot of the like the idea behind painting over there was to sort of move there and not have any shows or anything booked in. So, you know, I felt like before that with uni and making work, I had an exhibition just before I went, you know, I was sort of in the rut of just making work for the gallery, you know, that I'd sort of kinda of done before that I could rely on. So like when I moved to Berlin I just wanted to be able to paint with like you know with no end uh like with no purpose for it or like you know no exhibitions and just you know fuck around and try new stuff and if it failed it wasn't like a waste of time or mm -hmm. you know i had yeah. to exhibit something i didn't want to paint for painting's sake yeah exactly it was yeah. a sort of first time in a you know a while that i was you know able to focus and do that and not be working towards an exhibition or working on commissions or whatever so that was nice and then by the end of it i ended up you know was painting a lot of pieces for exhibitions back in melbourne so just sort of painting them over there and shipping them over, which was good. Yeah, it's um, it is weird when you sort of lock into an exhibition. You sort of have to set the theme so you get like a concise body of work together, and yeah, then it's like it's hard to you sort of see all these other things and like want to paint them. And yeah, uh, <laughs> man, like the next three weeks, I know I got to yeah, pretty much work seven days around the clock. But as soon as that's done, I'm just excited to have the show up on the walls and done and then move on to the next thing because I've got a yeah, whole lot of ideas and so that sort of thing that I want to work on but I just can't at the moment. Yeah. Have you ever thought about hiring some stencil cutters, some cheap labour? <laughs> no, no, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't justify myself doing that. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't trust anyone with it either. <laughs> yeah. I know, it's a bit... It's, uh, people have said that to me before as well, like, why don't you hire someone to help you with... Like, when I've had tight deadlines, just hire someone to help you with your paintings. It's like, no, there's nothing that they can... I just reckon it'd take longer to sort of tell them what you want them to do than you just doing it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Like unless you're sort of painting a massive wall and you need someone to like buff the whole thing. Yeah. It'd be a bit I, counterproductive. I think murals are different. I've had people yeah. help me with murals. It's like, because you mark it all up and go, make that black, make that red, make yeah, that this. A bit that, of colour by numbers. Yeah, exactly. But I think when it's um smaller smaller artworks, it's a bit tough. Yeah, know? definitely. Yeah. So do you have like a um an end goal? Like or or a destination you're trying to take your artwork, like a build a career for yourself and stuff like that? Yeah, definitely, you know, being an artist is, you know, has been my, you know, most of my bread and butter for a while now and it's definitely planning on continuing that way. Um, but sort of for the first time, I've had a bit of revelation in the last couple of months. I don't know whether it's come out of you know, a bit more maturity or something, but I've just realised that now that, like, you know, essentially I am an artist, I can paint whatever I want and that I've, you know, looking back on the last eight nine years I realized I've been I've always typecasted myself into painting a certain you know aesthetic certain imagery under a certain technique and yeah I'm sort of looking forward to 
breaking away from that and just trying a whole new thing and just doing work that you know people wouldn't even recognize you know of me me doing so yeah that's why i'm after this exhibition's done um like i've got a little bit of time off finished up a couple of jobs and then gonna go to europe back to europe for a few months and yeah treat it as a bit of a you know, art research trip as well as a holiday and then yeah sort of come back and spend the second half of the year just working on a whole new body of work of yeah just things that i've never done before just ideas and techniques and yeah again just going back to painting for painting's sake and just producing stuff that yeah i haven't really done before mm. creative exploration yeah seriously yeah. and when you go to europe don't forget to claim it all on tax yeah of course yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i've only this will be my second year operating under a avn of i don't think i've fully realized the full uh extent of how much you can actually claim yeah they, they'll take your money you got to try and get as much yeah, back get as, as much possible back, yeah yeah it's interesting what you're saying about like trying new things because people do think of it as like a marketing sense that you don't want to confuse the market and all this type of stuff there's so many different ways of looking at it but um i know the way i i feel about it is you just i think it's if you just paint what you want to paint when you want to paint it um like people will either like it or they won't and that's yeah. the way they'll look at all of your art anyway yeah so um i think the more that you sort of um please yourself with your artwork the happier you're going to be and and you could you can take it in whatever direction you want and if you look at a lot of the great artists in history they've um they've gone through lots of different styles yeah yeah I, yeah i think that's the thing i've sort of realized now like i've also had the sort of backing that you know i'm still very much early stage of my you know artistic career and style and you know progression and everything so yeah the whole idea of completely changing it up and you know trying new things and i guess you know starting a new stage or period for a while yeah it's really exciting for me mm. i was always really inspired by uh, matisse and his cutouts because oh, yeah. he um discovered them right at the end end of his life yeah and like you know he had cancer and, and all that and he overcame his cancer and you could tell he was on borrowed time. He's like, I finally found my style. Like, yeah, I figured shit. it out. He, he was like just punching him out. Like, yeah. just did so much work. And he's like, I finally worked out what I want my art to look like. And mm. it was he'd had a really successful career and all that, but he found something that was uniquely him. And yeah, it was yeah. really good to see. Yeah, and, he, and he nailed it. You'll, like, never it so you'll never figure it out unless you sort of try and break up what you're doing yeah. and start doing new shit. And the critics hated it as well. Like, at the time, they said that he's like painting like a baby and he's like... Um, and the cancer rotted his brain and he doesn't know what he's doing and all this type of stuff, you know. But in actual fact, he was the happiest he's ever been with his art and he was um, creating stuff that now, like, most people consider to be the best work he ever did. Yeah, and yeah. it was all through exploration, mm. you know. And this is someone at the end of his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, I guess you never, never finish developing your style or technique. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So if, he, if people wanted to, um, like, see your art online... Like, where was the best place for them to check it out? Um, probably Instagram would be typical, just at Kirby underscore. Or I've got Facebook page, yeah, just look for Kirby. Or on the Port Jackson Press website, you can, I think it's just portjacksonpress.com.au forward slash Kirby. That's probably got my most updated mm. sort of catalogue of work and available works as well. Yeah. And do you have any other up-and-coming projects apart from the exhibition? Um, the exhibition's a big one. And then I've just got to do a couple of, uh, you know, wrapping up a few commission works and another few group exhibition pieces um i've actually got a zine coming out in the next week or two that i've done with vacant lot which is just getting printed up uh, at the moment so that'll be out soon and then yeah just sort of travel for a few months and then back in the studio to have some fun yeah and where can people get the vacant lot zine um i think on the vacant lot 
vacant lot store website or Instagram. Um, yeah, or just check my Instagram. I'll post it up mm. once it's out with a link to it. Okay. And uh, um, do you just want to go over the details of the exhibition again? Um, so it's uh, opening on the 3rd of, uh, 3rd of May, Thursday the 3rd of May at 6pm at Port Jackson Press Gallery, 84 Smith Street, and it'll run until the uh, 26th of May. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thanks for taking the time to sit down and have a chat. All right. Good chat. Yeah. No worries. Take it easy. You too. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guests, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you will find all previous episodes and images of the guest's artwork. Also, follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. There you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast. Bench Talk's also streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Just simply search for Bench Talk Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review. It helps get the word out. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.